John F. Kennedy issued a warning about the deep state. That term may seem a little bit conspiratorial to you, but it's something that has been with us for a long time. It's the idea that functioning behind the facade of some organizations, there are those who are working an alternate plan. I don't think anyone really questions whether or not that is happening on some level. It's just we don't know what level it is. And Kennedy said this when he addressed the American Newspaper Publishers Association in 1961. He said, we are opposed around the world by a ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding his sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. He went on to say, it is a system that has constricted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its pre preparations are concealed and not published. Its mistakes are buried and not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced and not praised. Pretty insightful when you think that that was 60 years ago that a president of the United States was concerned about what was happening in America. It should not surprise us who are believers who know the Lord because we understand a little bit about the future when we read about the coming age and the introduction into our world of a one world ruler that we know as scripture as the Antichrist. So it only makes sense that there is um, an undercurrent of this from day one. In fact, when John wrote the book of 1 John, he said, there are many antichrists in the world today, speaking of those who oppose Christ, but there is one who is coming, the son of perdition. So the idea is that there have always been those who have opposed Christ. There's always been this underworking to try to subvert the kingdom of God, lift up the kingdom of man, take power away from people. That's why America is such an unusual place because it is a nation that begins with the idea that we as citizens are the rulers of our own destiny. Our Constitution begins with those words, we the people. That means something. It doesn't say that we're subjects. We are not subjects of a king or an overlord or a despotic ruler. We are citizens of a constitutional republic, and we should stand on all of our Constitution, especially the First Amendment in this season. When the USSR was at its height, a dissident by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a Russian novelist, philosopher, historian, and political prisoner from 1945 to 1953, and then under house arrest until 1971. He wrote this when he was finally set free, was able to come to America and speak. He said, I would call upon America to be more careful with its trust and prevent those using the struggle for social justice to lead you down a false road. Now just stop and let that sink in for a moment, if he didn't say anything else. 
He says, social justice will be your downfall. We are living in a day where social justice is becoming our downfall. Everything we fought for to get to a certain point to give freedom and lack of discrimination is now being reversed, and now we're going into a time of great restriction and discrimination if you don't fit into the right identity group. That's the day that we live in. So Sunitsyn went on to write this, the struggle for social justice to lead you down a false road. They're trying to weaken you. They're trying to disarm your strong and magnificent country in the face of this fearful threat, one that has never been seen before in the history of the world. So we have what I would call a historical prophetic voice coming from a president. We have another one coming from a novelist in 50 years ago. And we are looking around going, this sounds and feels like a reality. I want you to know that the Bible has the answers to every question you're answering, you're asking. When you read the word of God, it is always relevant. If you will pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you before you read it, you'll be able to get insights that you hadn't gotten before. Because you see, it's always living and active. The word of God is. And so when you read it, God is making fresh applications each and every time you study its passages, and it's bringing in issues that, are, that you're living in, that God's people are living in at that moment, and making those applications so you know how to act with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. If I take you back to the land of Egypt, Israel has found itself in bondage under a pharaoh. And if you've read something about that or know something about it, you know that it was a terrible time in the life of the nation of Israel. And yet God had a plan. God always has a plan. If you're feeling like you're struggling, wonder what's God up to, I trust you, God is up to plenty. God has a plan, he has a solution. And hopefully today you'll understand a bit of the process of how God works in the middle of setbacks and confusing times. So God has a design that he's going to call a man by the name of Moses. And he, he meets Moses at a burning bush, and Moses is there tending this flock for his father-in-law in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, Moses walks by and see a bush burning, though not consumed. Now, a creosote bush in the desert was not unusual to catch on fire. What was unusual was it was not consumed. And as he came by this bush, he heard a voice speak to him, and he said, Moses, Moses, which would get anyone's attention when bushes start to speak. Amen? He said, who are you? He said, I am the Lord your God. Take off your shoes. Take off your sandals, because you're standing on holy ground. Now, you have to understand that it wasn't that taking off your shoes was somehow special. It was a symbol of dependence. He could not run away in the hot desert sand barefooted. He was going to be subject to scorpions and snakes. He said, Moses, I want you to trust me in this moment. I'm getting ready to speak to you. I believe God is calling many of us, if not all of us, to take off our sandals, to get on some holy ground, to trust the Lord our God in the midst of the times that we live in. Amen? I believe this is a time. This is a holy moment in history. 
Now let me take you to this land of bondage in the land of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, the scripture says this, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel because of the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. You see, it's never God's plan to hold anyone in bondage. And that means whether we're living in this country or around the world, whether we're being held in bondage for any purpose, God has always come to set his people free. And he says this, I have remembered my covenant. You see, God does more than make a contract with his people. He makes a covenant with his people that's sealed in blood. And that blood covenant that they experience is the same blood covenant that you experience in Jesus Christ. He said, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. Now remember, God revealed himself as the I am. And it seems like an unusual name until you understand its present tense. I am always present. I am everything you need. I am, whatever the question is, who shall I say sent me, tell him the I am sent you. I am everything that you need, Moses. And notice the promise, I will bring you out from under bondage. Here's the promise. Because I am, I'm gonna bring you out from bondage of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Now notice, God was telling them what was coming. I'm gonna rescue you as though a long arm came from heaven and pulled you out of your environment, but I'm gonna do it with judgments. Now, he doesn't say what the judgments are, but as we read further in Scripture, we know the judgments are the 10 plagues that God would bring upon the nation of Israel. Those would be the judgments. The judgments would not be on Israel. It would be on the enemies of Israel. This is such a critical point that you understand in Scripture that God has not destined us to wrath that God always has a way of rescuing his people out of bad situations that they find themselves in, whether it's on an ark that we read about in Noah, whether it's delivering them out of the land of Egypt, or whether it's rescuing you from the great tribulation period that's coming on the face of the earth. But people do strange things. Have you noticed that in this season you're in? People, people have become hall monitors for all of us. If the mask isn't worn exactly right, we're corrected publicly by people we've never met. They're concerned about the nose not being covered properly. Hey, I think wearing masks is fine. I honor that when I go into any place because they've asked me to, right? But I don't need a hall monitor. Do you remember hall monitors in school? You never liked them. If you were a hall monitor, I'm sorry. Hopefully, people like you better now. But the hall monitor was stationed in the elementary school that I attended to make sure that no kids did something wrong. They didn't get in class quick enough. They didn't goof off. They weren't doing something they shouldn't be doing. And then they, then they felt like they were in, in control of the entire world. And then they would go tattle to the teacher. Then you would get in trouble. Thus, you don't like hall monitors. Well, Dr. Mark McDonald said this. Americans are suffering, and this is in the context of the season we're living in right now, from a condition in which there is a delusional psychosis that has taken over where people are impervious to rational thinking. People are impervious to reason, to logic, to education at this point. They are managed by their fear. 
If you let fear manage you, you will never be happy. And the only thing you know what to do when you're in fear is to try to create more fear in the life of someone else. It is the gift that keeps on giving, it seems. But also leaders tend to defy logic. When I heard the latest dictate come out of the governor, and he said, we're going to go back to March. It made me think of that Star Wars movie where Captain Kirk was trying to deal with an enemy, and he said, we're just going to go above him. And all of his crew said, no, you can't go above him. He'll find you. He said, no, he's a one-dimensional thinker. He will never find me here. And as Captain Kirk was always right, but that thought kept coming back to me, and I thought about one-dimensional thinking cannot find a solution other than let's go back and create the same problem that didn't fix anything in the beginning. Let me show you how this thinking follows all along the line through history. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 7, Pharaoh's servants said to him, now they're about halfway through the plagues. Things are getting bad. There's all kinds of bad plagues coming on the nation of Egypt. And they said to the Pharaoh, his servants, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. And now look at what he, they, he, he, they say to him. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? Have you ever just kind of stepped back and look at California and say, does the governor not care about what's happening to this state? The answer is no, he does not. No concern whatsoever. You don't destroy something and keep destroying something unless you don't have a conscience or unless you're working with double-digit IQ numbers. Some of you will get that about Thursday. <laughs> I'm thrilled when I see people stand up and be strong in the midst of struggles and difficulties. I wonder why all don't. But I understand that it's not in the nature of everyone to lead in times like this. They said of Winston Churchill that he was the greatest wartime prime minister ever elected. He was reelected and he failed really in so many ways as a prime minister in peacetime. There's a book written called A Certain Trumpet and it talks about leadership qualities and leaders are called for certain seasons and certain times and they excel in those seasons. And I really believe that it was Churchill who excelled in that season. It was Moses who excelled in this season. And I believe that you're going to see more and more leaders who are going to excel in this season. And those who don't try to stand during this season are going to find that things will never go back to normal if normal ever exists again. That we're not going to go back to church the way church was. There's something happened inside of us as people when we realize that leadership is about courage. It's not about good sermons, not about great music. It's about something deeper, something deeper. I'm gonna show you a video from, some of you have probably seen it, the Riverside Sheriff, but I think he put it pretty well. Let's go ahead and watch the screens. 
Hello, I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. We have all recently learned of the new regional approach to combating COVID-19 and the pending closure and stay-at-home orders from our governor. We were also told there was a potential he would be withholding federal and state funding from counties who did not enforce the orders. Ironically, it wasn't that long ago our same governor loudly and publicly argued how wrong it was for the President of the United States to withhold federal funding from states not complying with federal laws. The dictatorial attitude toward California residents while dining in luxury, traveling, keeping his business open, and sending his kids to in-person private schools is very telling about his attitude toward California residents, his feelings about the virus, and it is extremely hypocritical. These closures and stay-at-home orders are flat-out ridiculous. The metrics used for closures are unbelievably faulty and are not representative of true numbers and are disastrous for Riverside County. When the medical field is so split about this virus, it might be time to employ a little common sense. Keeping money and support from our hospitals, who are struggling with normal, seasonal increases in patients, coupled with COVID-19 patients, is irresponsible. It appears part of the new goal is to shift attention away from his and others' personal behavior with a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude by turning public opinion against California sheriffs. He is expecting us to arrest anyone violating these orders, cite them and take their money, close their businesses, make them stay in their homes, and take away their civil liberties, or he will punish all of us. I believe that all jobs are essential to someone. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. Bullies do. As has been our position from the beginning of this pandemic, the Sheriff's Department is asking and expecting Riverside County residents to act responsibly and do what they can to protect themselves and their family from contracting the virus. Wear your mask and practice social distancing. While the Governor's Office and the state has threatened action against violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a safe and Happy New Year. The reason that resonates with you is because there's something inside of you that says, I agree, that's right, thank you for standing. Even if you don't fully agree, you have to admit there's something there and it's courage. It's courage. I want you to see the hand of God in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 10 and verse 21, the Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt darkness which may even be felt. Now let's just pause right there for a moment. We're beginning to move toward the end now of this time in the 10 plagues. And God says to Moses, all I need you to do is trust me. Stretch out your hand and let darkness come. Now I want you to notice something about the darkness here. The darkness is not just darkness of night. It is that. But did you notice what the scripture said? That could even be felt. This was more than the darkness of night. This was the absence of God. 
which was the judgment. That's why the Bible says that when we're separated from God in eternity, it is a utter darkness. This is the kind of darkness it's talking about. If you've ever been in a city someplace where you felt the evil in that place, it was because there was the presence of people who were opposing God and trying to do evil to other people. And that presence can be atmospheric, just like the presence of good and the power of God can be atmospheric. So this was felt. I remind you that God doesn't need the sun, the moon, or the stars in their orbit in order to create darkness. The Bible says that in the beginning, in chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, that a darkness was over the earth. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. But that light was not the light of the sun, the moon, or the stars. That didn't happen until the fourth day, Genesis 1.14. It was the light of God, the intrinsic light of God, from which there is no shadow of turning. So God can flood light into evil, and you can somehow be untouched by the dark. It's amazing. If you go on in the book of Exodus, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. It's interesting because this is also a picture of God's judgment of sin. You remember when Jesus was crucified, it said there were three hours of darkness. It was such an amazing eclipse that everyone looked around and said, what is happening here? And this three days of darkness was similar. It was an act of judgment, but it was also evidence of a coming redemption and deliverance by God of God's people in that day. It says, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. Now imagine it's so dark that you're not even going to get out of your house. It's not like you had a flashlight in Egypt in those days. Not like you had a street light that might work on emergency. It was an utter darkness. But I think the most amazing thing is the next thing that's said in this scripture. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I want you to know you can be in utter darkness in this world and have light in your residence. You see, the light of God shines in your heart, amen? We are the light of the world. It says, don't let anybody hide your light. Shine brightly and be a testimony wherever you go. Have courage and stand. What you're learning in this season is going to take you into the next season of life. It's also preparing you for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You see, on earth, this is on-the-job training for what God has planned for you one day in eternity. Don't bypass what God is doing in these moments. The other thing that's really interesting about this section is that false gods are revealed. You see, the God of the Egyptians was Ra. He was the sun god. He wasn't just bringing darkness in. He was also destroying the whole concept of their god. He's saying, your God doesn't work. Your God is powerless. If he were powerful, he would bring the sun back. It's Ra, the sun God. What are we going to do without our God in this season? Let me tell you what God is doing. God is destroying the God of government. He is destroying the God of society apart from God is destroying everything you trust in, and he's forcing you into a corner to trust him. You see, Christianity, I don't believe, will ever be convenient again. 
We went through a long season up until this year of convenient Christianity, where you could make it your hobby, and you could kind of participate when you wanted to, and you could speak up if you wanted to, and you, could, you, you didn't have to worry about anything, but that day is gone, and it's time for us to rise up. The other thing is darkness is defined in the scripture. It is defined as a darkness where nobody can see and nobody wants to move. If fear has overtaken you, what you do is you refuse to go anywhere, do anything, because you're so afraid. And every despotic leader on planet Earth that's ever lived knows that if I can get people dependent on me and fearful, I can control their very actions. I want you to know we're not going to be controlled. Favor follows the faithful. If you live faithfully before God, favor is going to follow you. It doesn't mean the struggles won't be there. It just means you're going to have favor in the middle of your, of your struggles. You see, when you put light inside of a house in the nation of Israel and you put darkness outside, that's favor. You see, too many times we look at the wrong set of circumstances. Look how bad the world is. Forget the world. The world was always a mess. How are you doing? How's your walk with God? What's God doing in your life? You say, well, he's not doing enough. Then trust him more. Get your eye off outside. Do you ever remember the ark? You know, the, the little ark. It's, it's such a great little picture, isn't it? Every nursery school has the ark, and they've got little giraffes sticking their heads out of the windows, and, you know, everybody's happy. I want to just take you back to what was really going on. There was only one window on the ark. It was on the top because God didn't want Noah looking at the world. He wanted him to look toward him. Amen? You keep your eye on God and the rest will follow fine. This week was another great week for the church in America. Uh, Matthew Staver of the Liberty Council wrote these words. The handwriting is now on the wall. The final days of Governor Gavin Newsom's color-coded executive edicts banning worship are numbered and coming to an end. It is past time to end these unconstitutional restrictions on places of worship. The Supreme Court. The Supreme Court issued a decision on December 3rd. Remember, it was the week before they issued a decision, a five to four decision about the churches in New York. This week on December 3rd, siding with California churches seeking relief from the state's heavy-handed COVID-19 restrictions on attendance at houses of worship, the decision is a second in two weeks slapping down the overreaches by Democratic governors in populous states related to combating COVID-19. It also follows the arrival on the bench of Justice Amy Coney Barrett. A constitutional conservative confirmed by the U.S. Senate before election days, according to the Epic Times. You think one person doesn't make a difference? Did you ever wonder why there was so much opposition to her and yet she was so blameless? It is because they understood what it meant. Can I tell you that one person makes a difference in every situation? You make a difference in every situation. Never underestimate your influence, your voice, or your vote. We saw in the Iowa election, 
representative there was elected by six votes. Imagine if you decided you weren't going to go out and vote because it, I, I'm, it's really not important. Yes, it is. Every single person and every local invention, uh, uh, local election is critically important to the success of a nation. Do not focus solely on the national. Focus on your local. Get involved. Get on school boards. Get uh, in politics on some level. Get in the PTA. Do whatever you can, but be involved and be a change agent wherever you are and wherever you go. Amen? Well, I want you to know there's some good news here. That is that God sets the times and the seasons. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 5, listen to what the Lord says. The Lord appointed a set time, saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. Do you know that God sets up appointments in the future for what he wants to do? He has a set time. He's looking at you and saying, I'm going to set some times in your personal life. I'm going to set some times in your family life. I'm going to set some times in your community and in your nation and around the world, and I'm going to intervene in such a marvelous way. You're going to wonder and be astounded at what I'm up to. But God is not inactive. God is not away somehow from watching and being involved in our world. You see, God moves the kings of the earth to accomplish his purpose. The Bible says in Proverbs that he holds the kings in his hand and he moves them about like channels of water. If you cup your hand, you'll notice you get some creases in your hands there. God says, those are the channels of water in my hand. That's how big kings are. And he's just doing this right here. He said, I need to move him over here because I'm going to accomplish my purpose. And when he's done, he just does this. But you see, he always works by purpose and by design. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16, listen to what God says about Pharaoh. For this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared on all the earth. You see, Pharaoh didn't know that he was a pawn on the chessboard of God. So imagine this scenario. The 10th plague comes. Everybody's so sick of the God of Israel, of the Israelites, they beg them to leave. Before they wouldn't let them leave, now they're begging them to leave. But God says something. God always has a provision before you even have a problem. So he tells the Israelites, go knock on all the doors of the Egyptians and ask them for their gold and their silver. Ask them for their precious stones. And it says they plundered the Egyptians. And now they're leaving out of Egypt and they've got gold and silver and precious stone and they don't even know why. They assume that God just loves them. He just wanted to give them a lot of money. If you have money, don't ever get that mindset. It's never for you. So they leave, they get out to the wilderness, and God shows a blueprint of the tabernacle of God, the dwelling house of God in the desert. It was a tent, really. But it was made with, guess what? Gold and silver and precious stones. And the covering of it was animal skins. And they had an ark of the covenant in it, and the glory of God would fall in the wilderness in that tent called the tabernacle. It was God in flesh. It was a picture of the coming Jesus who would come. It says that he was, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. 
And now all the pieces came together as they stood there in that outside of that tabernacle and the, and the glory of God fell and they understood that the gold and the silver and the precious stones were never for them. They were for God. But God was going to do something amazing in that day. You see, understanding that time, understanding the time brings favor. When you understand what time you're in, then you know what kind of favor to seek. See, things have changed for a lot of people. Some people are on the, let's call it the right side of the economics of this season. Some people are on the wrong side of the economics of this season. But if you're a believer, you can find wisdom and you can understand the time that you live in and you can find a way to thrive where you never thought you could thrive. See, God's got that, he's just given you that kind of ability. Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 10. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. That's you. During this season, say, God, I just want to be purified. I, I want it to be cleansed. I want to be, I want to be refined during this time. But the wicked shall do wickedly. It's interesting because what you see is this division happening where some are just following hard after God like they never have, and then others are going, no, they're just getting more and more wicked. But none of the wicked shall understand. This is the amazing thing is, don't they see this? No, they don't. It takes the wisdom of God to see it. But the wise shall understand. Just ask God to give you a spirit of wisdom, of direction. I had this thought, and I wanted to close with it today. Miracles do not occur in a safe environment. Study scripture. Look at the miracles. None of them happen in a safe environment when everybody was just playing it easy and, you know, sitting back, God, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting back in my spiritual lounge chair waiting for God to work. No, it's when your life is upside down and you cry out to God and say, what am I going to do? Am I right? That's when the miracles of God come. Look at every miracle of the, in the Scripture. Every one of them came when there was total turmoil and they said, what am I going to do? And God says, I'm glad you asked. You see, you have not because you asked not, Jesus told his disciples. Have you asked lately for a miracle? Or if you just said, well, I'll handle all the little stuff. Let God take care of the big ones. See, it says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In all things, with prayer and supplication, the smallest thing, the biggest thing, the medium-sized thing, everything, everything. Quit trying to run your life. Let God do it. Amen? He's better at it. He's just better at it. And he wants to do that. He wants to be God in your life. You see, making God in your life is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Saying, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. That you were buried in a tomb. That three days later you rose from the dead, according to the scriptures. That in his dying, he took away our sin. And in his resurrection, he gave us life and life more abundantly. That comes through prayer. That comes through a faith, just statement that you make. I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. I'd ask you to pray it where you stand or sit, whether you're walk, watching online uh, or somewhere else. I just want you to listen to what God is saying to you and pray this prayer out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died to give me eternal life. Take away my sins. Come into my heart by your Holy Spirit. Fill me. 
guide me, lead me, Lord God Almighty. I thank you for the promise. I believe the word of God is true, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and I'm calling on your name this morning. And just thank him now in your own words. If that was your prayer, just thank him. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. And now it's time to go to that next step and follow him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Amen? Amen.